Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Riz Khan. This is episode number six, uh, which is titled Language is No Barrier. And uh, in this episode, I'm absolutely delighted to have our second guest join us all the way from North Macedonia. Um, and before I hand over the floor uh, to her for, for her introductions, uh, just a reminder that the previous five episodes are available for you across all major podcasting platforms, uh, including Apple Podcast, Amazon um, Music, Spotify, and of course, you can view uh, and subscribe on to YouTube as well. So it's been a little bit of a, a gap since our last episode. Episode five was around exam top tips and tricks during exam season time. And now that uh, the world of education around the world is winding down in some parts, the academic year for summer holidays, um, I have a little bit more time on my hands to, to connect with you. So it's a, a real delight to be back with you. And thank you very much for viewing and watching. But essentially, uh, I'm absolutely thrilled. And I'm so happy to have Isma join us all the way from North Macedonia. Welcome, Isma. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm also very delighted to be part of your podcast. And I was surprised. I feel privileged. So it's really nice to bond to connect and share some things absolutely uh, no the, the from our daily life is um, ours and I, and I know you're in a different part of the world you're in north macedonia um but let's let's take the big concept of identity for a moment and let's uh, let's unpack that together so would you like to tell us a little bit more about uh, your background where you're from and how you've ended up in north macedonia and what you're doing uh, as your day job too Mm -hmm. Well, I have Turkish descent. I was born, raised in Macedonia, my parents as well. Uh, but uh, my grand-grandparents, they come from Turkey and that the regions around from that period. So I can say um, I have also some Greek origins, Turkish, Macedonian. So it's a kind of mixture, a kind of jigsaw of a personality. <laughs> But yeah, I, I can define myself. That's, that's as a... fantastic. And um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your day job. What do you do for a living? Obviously, you work in a school. And how did we connect? This is many years ago that we, we first met at your school, IPS yes. Macedonia, which I have some IPS Macedonia very, very fond memories. Is my school. It's my second home. Uh, so, yeah, we had, you were our workshop leader, and I learned so much about IB. I loved IB one more time after we have all uh, this time uh, together. So um, that's how actually we met. And um, that's it. I don't know what else. Uh, we spent a week together. We, you visited our classes and uh, shared I, I remember coming into your science classes and the your students in your class they were making something from clay or a, a science mm -hmm. experiment i think right they was testing states of matter so it was that's all it. liquid <laughs> that's it so I, I remember that well but i also remember something that you shared during our workshop together which i still remember today uh -huh. and you shared um, something along the lines of Riz, um, you represent as well. Do you remember that? Mm, what I represent? What's my second name? Something about you that? represent as well. But we might we'll come back to this a little bit later uh -huh. in, in the podcast. Yeah. I, I don't uh -huh. remember. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so 
it's it's great to have you with us. Um, and obviously, the the episode title is "Language Is No Barrier." So I come from um, the north of the UK. I speak a couple of languages. I speak um, English. I speak Urdu. A little bit of Arabic. Um, but we've also had an opportunity to to work with you as well. And obviously, tell us a little bit about your home languages and, and the different languages that you speak. Well, uh, I have worked here in Macedonia and also in Serbia. My mother tongue, Turkish, of course, I speak Turkish, Macedonian, Serbian, English, a bit German, and that's it. That's <laughs> uh, it. That's it. Uh, so um, I'm wife of a teacher, so we are two teachers. Uh, I have no pets, just kids. <laughs> I have uh, one teenager girl, she's 14, and a son, uh, he's 11. And uh, that's it, small family. That's great. Um, I mean, you've got a, a, that's how we, a warm persona, and I remember seeing this quite uh, in quite some detail. You have such a warm persona and connection and relationship with your students. Um, um, and, and I think this is really pivotal, especially in these times where our students are living in so much fear, in so much uncertainty because of um, what is happening in the world with the mm -hmm. pandemic and, and the rising costs of, of living. So um, tell us a little bit about your experiences of, of teaching through pandemic mm -hmm. times and also being a mother through pandemic yeah. times this month. Well, I, my motto is um, that... Um, relationship with the students is above all of the content I'm supposed to deliver. I'm teaching mathematics and sciences, uh, but the relationship we have with each other is above everything. So if you have a good relationship with the students in any way, somebody would like um, each student have different needs. So first we connect and then we try to to teach them. So during the pandemics, it was very difficult to embrace them all, to touch them all, to see them all. And um, when I talked to them, because they, they are teenagers, they don't want to turn on their cameras. I said, do you know what I miss the most? And they, couple, half of them were half listening. So I just said, I miss your eyes. And they were just shocked. And the cameras just started turning on. <laughs> So they really felt that I, I miss them. I miss their eyes. I miss their connection. I need them to approve or to um, negotiate with me with their eyes, to say something, to disagree. So that connection really was uh, difficult to make it somehow, to establish it during the pandemics. Uh, in my home, it was uh, a two teachers, two students. So my home turned into an office. Awesome. where occasionally during the breaks we were meeting in the kitchen for some snacks or for tea or for coffee oh hi oh, you have a break <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm going back so it was challenging time but for the family it it was a good it, it yeah i can say it was a good one i think uh, the precious thing is what i realized it's so important to have a family mm. family where you love support understand each other so it was the kind of opportunity that we spent more time together i mean isma that's really interesting that you bring it up um you know that the the pandemic has given you that sort of almost protective time to mm -hmm. spend with your family um in comparison to pre-pandemic times where perhaps we're yeah. all living such busy lifestyles exactly. everybody's on a highway everybody's on a motorway and I think the exactly. pandemic has really helped us to hit the brakes and to exactly. stop and perhaps to reflect so tell us about some of the positives that might have come about through through these times 
Well, the po I don't know, positive things. Um, I spend so much time with my kids. We played plenty of Monopoly as a, all of four of us. Monopoly, Risk, I don't know. My son plays tennis. We couldn't go outside, but we turned our living room. We brought one table and we played, played temp table tennis for hours. <laughs> so it, it was a good one. I mean, we, we survived, it, it, it was good. What was bad is that I lost some, I, I lost my uncle, for example, that was the saddest thing that could happen. And I don't know, some really sorry health, to hear about health that. plus minuses, thank you. So the, these are the things that um, were, I, yeah, they, that happened. I was happy, for example, for all of the workers that worked in these shopping malls and markets. Yeah, these people have no Sundays. No Saturdays, but now they can be with their families. So that was just something that warmed my heart in everything that was so strange, unpredictable. What will happen? Mm. What else comes? I cleaned a lot the house. <laughs> my husband was happy. She said, you're, ne you're never doing this that much. <laughs> yeah, so, no, absolutely. Yeah, I was no. kind we, of we've had, um, <laughs> Similarly, here in England, we've had time to, to stop. We went into a couple of major lockdowns and, you know, we were working from home. And as you know, uh, my, my work with the International Baccalaureate, we were doing a lot of our uh, school evaluations from uh, virtual screens behind the screen. Um, but slowly, we're hoping that the world will open up again. What, what are you looking forward to the most? Um, hopefully when we you know get back to some form of normality and we can travel as normal and um, we can do the things that we used to pre-pandemic times what are you looking forward to the most oh well i think that we are almost free to do that we had this uh, people were divided um I mean, yeah, that, that was not good. We, I don't know, we want to be fans of something and that's dividing the people. We need to be knowledgeable on all of these things in order to discuss or to support one or another side. Um, so now I think it's settling down. So I can say we are almost back to normal. Yeah, I, I think it's almost done. We can travel now even these days without... Uh, to some places even without vaccines, although it's not a problem for me. I got my shots a long time ago. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I think we need to rebuild the relationships. Uh, I, we still say, okay, we'll see each other with some friends, with some far friends. Uh, like we are kind of afraid to have that closer contact that we had before. So that might be the the only thing that will come up with time. So time, Absolutely. And I first think of all, we learn uh, how not to shake hands, how not to hug each other. And now we need to rebuild it back. Absolutely. And I think that's a really important point in, in how do we go about in reconnecting and, and revitalizing some of those relationships with our friends, with our colleagues, with our uh, with our students in our classrooms, as well as you, yeah. as you mentioned. So you know, when the new academic year starts, have you thought about ways where you might be able to reconnect and rebuild some of those relationships? Well, this year, we actually had the students all the time at school. We didn't, I think, twice before the, in the first, once in the first uh, term, they, there was some break. We had some online classes, but after that, 
And especially after March, we didn't use the face masks. First started the students, then a month later the teachers. So they started seeing our full face expression. They were new students that have never seen my face. Wow. And uh, so you connect with your eyes, but the rest of the face is also doing uh, that connection, which is above everything. And uh, yeah, that, that was so nice. You uh, just think of someone's face without the mask and when it's removed, ah, oh, you're a totally different person. <laughs> so that, that, that was, <laughs> that happens a lot with the students. They, some of them said, oh, teacher, you look like a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> <laughs> And I feel so like I'm a kindergarten teacher uh, sometimes. Yeah. I, I enjoy joking with my students. I, and, 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 and I, I think know. you do have a wonderful relationship with your students. And it's something you mentioned right at the start of the podcast, which is above all of the curriculum standards that you have to get through. Mm-hmm. And as educators, we all have prescribed standards that we have to follow, benchmarks, assessments. But you Mm -hmm. you mentioned that relationships is above all of that. What is your or two or three top tip advice for new teachers or highly experienced teachers who are struggling to connect with a generation of today? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know, it's really important because I didn't think about this at the beginning of my career when I started, when I was uh, 25 or 23 I don't remember um, you see them as students but now when I see a 12 year old uh, student I see him as a future doctor I see him as a future lawyer so you have a person in front of you and you see just one part of it you don't know the background so always try to connect with respect and try to learn something of the thing and um, in life we have good and bad examples but both of them are examples that you can follow or unfollow so um, being a leaving a trace a positive trace in their life with uh, the way I talk the way I act principally um, I guess that's how you should how we should all act in the future so having respect it can be a five-year-old, it can be 12, it can be 20 years old. You need to show that respect. So when somebody feels respected, loved, uh, you will get the response. That's, that's a really excellent tip, Isma. <laughs> and it reminds me of something that I also used to do with some of my students. You know where at the start of the year, for example, we set essential mm-hmm. agreements or rules. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Even a class. Typically and traditionally, we, we ask our students to write down the rules that you're going to follow, which is a very top heavy way, right? It's saying to the, to the student that I am, because I'm the teacher, I'm the boss and you are the student and therefore you follow, <laughs> you don't question, right? Whereas what I'm about to offer, it's, it's showing a different partnership. So um, one activity that I love to do at the start of the year with students of all ages, even adults when I'm leading uh, workshops, um, what are your expectations for yourself as a student? And what are your expectations for your teacher? Mm -hmm. How do you want me to interact and to behave with you, right? What sort of expectations, what sort of um, behaviors would you like to see from Mm -hmm. me as your teacher? during our, our year. And that really, it, sometimes it shocks students because they don't expect the teacher to ask them, mm-hmm. how do you want me to behave for you? 
you know as a as a reminder as teachers we we have to um deal with the human beings in our classrooms and, and we have to change for our students our students don't change for us um, what are your thoughts exactly. on that well uh, this is something i i will metaphorically but uh, from how i experienced this but it, it will reach the same point I don't know if you know, I used to play before I went to the University of uh, the, the Faculty of Natural Sciences and Mathematics, I, I was playing tennis till my 18th years and I was competing. And what I learned there that team play that how to behave with coach with the other players, this helped me a lot in building um, atmosphere with the uh, with the students in classroom today I didn't learn it at the faculty but I learned it uh, at that age. Uh, students because my subject is mathematics they say oh you're going to ask us very hard questions, you want to find what we don't know, we said guys we are at the same part of the we are the same team. I'm your coach, I'm training you mathematics, and I know what I have trained with you. And we go together on a tournament, so we have a match together. So I support you, I really want to get the best of you, you are my team. Uh, you will reflect the knowledge that we trained, we practiced together. Some of you did great on the training, some of you didn't do well, but uh, we as a team go on this tournament. And it's a, not a neighborhood tournament, it's a someone at the high level tournament. So that's how I want you to, to understand it. I'm uh, with you in the same team. So we work together, we act uh, of you. So in the end, they say, aha. Well, this, is, this is really, um, you know, my observations of, of young students and young people in this day and age, they, they value that type of relationship a lot more. A relationship that is based on person to person rather than rule to person kind of thing. What are, you, what are your observations of young people around Macedonia? And what are you seeing has shifted from students 10, 20 years ago, perhaps when we were in school, to yeah. young people in, in this day and age? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, at my time, or let's say 10 years ago, students were worried about their grades. Mm. Uh, they were worried if they about their attendance, if they come to school or not. Uh, but now, and they respected in a different way, and they had more time uh, to spend on studying, or maybe they had no so many opportunities to do different things. But now, uh, students, they use social media. They can reach a different kind of things in a very short time. Mm. Uh, so sometimes when you teach about some, let's say, history subject, they can find it in a blink of a second. Why would uh, why would they uh, learn about all of these dates by heart? So different um, different time, a faster time, faster is moving. I don't know how to say. It. So the students. Um, yeah, have I, I understand what you, yeah. you mean in that the society is becoming so fast paced. Yes, information and is as readily as, available. Mm -hmm. And as a, as a system, as an education, we need to uh, be, let's say, 10 years before it, not behind it. So that's really important how we educators need to be get ready in order to be accepted, in order to be respected, in order to be valued, that we have something to say, that we have something to offer to them and they can take it. So that's why 
um, education um, needs a kind of uh, change or refocus on some different values that will uh, make them ready. I mean, uh, to gain some 21st century skills that because that will help them in their life after the college, after the high school. So the students... And, uh, and of course, parenting children in, in this day and age is, is quite a challenge as well. So um, do you have some mothering tips or uh, tips on parenting uh, young people in, in this day and age? I don't know how relevant I am for that. I don't know. I, my, my kids are for now good. <laughs> they are good at math, so they have no... <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're a math teacher, right? But you know what? They don't want to study with me mathematics or any subject. Um, once my son uh, sit next to me and he said, let me show you something. And he was showing fractions, percentages. And my daughter said, oh, you're taking help from mommy. He said, no, just flexing how much I am. <laughs> just so, flexing. The, the, yeah, that, the, that, that Gen Z uh, things they, they use. So they don't uh, want my help. It's like... Um, so they, no, they're thanks, thanks no, they listening. They... they um, respect. Uh, they don't spend uh, much time on their phones. Uh, they have extra things they do outside the school. And I let them uh, focus on um, what they love. Uh, what they love because I don't care about their grades. We are not at the same school. And I regularly tell, tell my daughter and my son, don't stress for exams. And your grade is not important. Really, definitely not important. If you have studied, if you have tried, your happiness, your health is more important than everything. Because you and those listening and watching, this is coming from a teacher, an educator. From a teacher. Right. Yes, and I really say this to my students in my class, and they say, oh, you're a good mom. I don't know. But yeah, I really don't force my kids to have five. I say, have fours, threes. It's totally fine. Do what makes you happy. Uh, although they are good at math, sciences, and all the, most of the subjects, my daughter is preparing herself for art academy. So she's so focused on drawing. My son is one of the best tennis players in Macedonia till 11 years old. So we have another tennis community that we uh, enjoy spending time with. That And it's good for his health. So I'm totally fine. And even with the rest of the things, they are respectful. They communicate well, open-minded. So that's... That's, That's enough. Great. Now, Isma, <laughs> earlier on, you mentioned around, um, you touched on the values and education needs to focus on values a little bit more. And for those listening and, and watching who are familiar with an IB or international baccalaureate education, they will know that we have a set of values that we train our adults and our young people. But those who are not familiar with an IB education, what sort of values would you say are important for educators, for parents, and for our communities, no matter where we are in the world, to be modeling and focusing on? Yeah, well, <laughs> this question uh, I, I, is really interesting. And my answer has changed through years, these three years since uh, while I have contact with IB. Um, but the core thing that state are the IB learner profiles. And if I think of someone's um, education or personality, I taught in this way, uh, you know, that famous jar story and the rocks, I don't know. Yeah. So if we have an empty jar and we try to put what are the, these huge rocks, 
then I think that um, the IB learner profiles, which is how we want a person to be, me, you, students, uh, we want to be open-minded, we want to be knowledgeable thinkers, we want to be inquirers, we want to be good communicators. So all of these are characteristics of good people, which is really important to be a good one, no matter what you are, what nationality, what religion, it's important to be good a human being on this planet. So these are the core values. These are the rocks that you would put first, and they should be uh, they should uh, occupy that greater space. Then, if we talk about um, a bit smaller stones, we can think about all. How can we gain all of these properties as a person? Then you think about the skills. You should be. It's not about the content you will learn, the biology, the chemistry. It's about the skills. How you get this knowledge to learn how to make it. So learning how to learn, it's such an Absolutely. important Absolutely. So yesterday, Isma, I did a conference presentation on something that you and I will know, approaches to learning skills. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly. for those who are not familiar with the world of IB education, approaches to learning skills are skills where we train our students to become lifelong learners exactly. so that they have a set of skills, communication, thinking skills, research skills, transfer them within their school life across and and beyond as well. So it's it's really important. And um, I like the analogy of the big rocks coming out of Stephen Covey, Uh right? His work Uh um, where priorities right now. Priorities, definitely. And um, after, yeah, so after these big rocks, after these skills, uh, when we come to these pebbles, well, we have human beings which are good, which are uh, well skilled, they can, but we, they should be knowledgeable about some world topics. So how about the um, uh, cultures around the world? How about relationship between different identities? Uh, between um, then what about the sustainability, about science, about development? So this, I'm um, from the MYP aspect, or uh, I, I can say that from the middle year programs, the global context are also the a bit uh, smaller than they're the pebbles, let's say, in this jar. And then um, it comes the sand, the sand uh, with, I don't know, all of the subjects, maybe they can enter inside of it. So we have some main topics and all of the subjects interdisciplinary, they join after this, they fulfill the rest of this jar. And um, when we have students which have great character, uh, great attributes, when they uh, are skilled to do whatever they do in their life, whatever they have chosen, they have some uh, solid view on all of these global topics and foundation the base with so with a great knowledge of different subjects and the water will fulfill the rest of empty spaces in this jar and this water can be i don't know uh, what i like is with all of this thing you have to reflect on the world so you have to make some services action you can advocate you can talk about it you can move mountains <laughs> when you have all of these skills when you have really all of these great foundation inside of you as layers that we will have a perfect future i think one of the biggest with, takeaways from from your discussion and your commentary is you know i'm taking away the priority to to focus on building good human beings exactly. and building good human beings through 
a system of education, whether it's international baccalaureate or whether it's other national or international systems, is to focus on those values, as you describe, of how to become better individuals, how to become more world aware and aware of the global issues in the world. But not just looking at global issues from one singular perspective, exploring the same global issues from multiple perspectives, what sort of impact does that have when we share, you know, global issues and we look at them from different lens and not just one fixed view? What, what impact do you think that has? Exactly. Well, it also comes to the skill in order to decide whether I have relevant sources or not, uh, whether I am, I can critically decide if this is, um, good or bad, so I decide on my opinion, or being open-minded enough to, and uh, to accept uh, different things, different opinions, and then maybe you just summarize and decide what will be your final uh, opinion. And being lifelong learner, uh, being uh, flexible in some things is really important, I think. Um, you, you remind yeah, me of a, a quote, a famous quote of, you know, um, listening to understand rather than like, listening to reply, you know, uh -huh. mm -hmm. that, that example yeah. just sums up how you know, <laughs> yes. we have our own views on individuals and cultures yes. or languages, but do we really listen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really, do we really listen? Exactly. Um, and, and there is an active, uh, there is a difference between listening actively, listening passively. And I know through an IB education, that's one of the ATL subskills, um, mm -hmm. those sort of listening skills. So um, that gap is trying to be plugged through education systems. But what about at home, Isma? How do we as parents build those values of being good human beings? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Well, first of all, I guess by our own example. So our kids, they actually, they mimic us in, in another way. We may teach them something, but they will mimic They're our They're like acts. sponges, aren't they? So, <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, trying to be a good example again, act the way I expect them to act. Uh, so... Um, I'm, I'm trying to do I don't know I, if I'm relevant to talk as a mother I have some experience about it and uh, so far satisfied um, yeah I, I think that's, I that's a great idea <laughs> I mean modeling is something that is so underestimated if yeah. we want our kids to be you know to have great mannerisms to show respect mm -hmm. to all sorts yeah. of individuals around the world, if we want them to use respectful language, then we have yeah. to show them that this is a priority in this, is a, in this household yeah. and, and model this. Um, other question, um, when was the last time or how do you feel that those family connections are, are, are progressing in this day and age? I have my views and my observations, but I wanna hear from, from you a little bit. <laughs> On what you see well, around family dynamics? Um, um, I, I don't have a huge family. I have, uh, let's say, five, six cousins from both of sides. Uh, okay, five and two more. I have exactly seven cousins from both my mom and dad's side. Uh, we are close with some of them. 
we see each other at least once per week. We chat a lot through Instagram messengers. <laughs> uh, we live in the same neighborhood. Some of them live in Turkey. And um, yeah, the social media helps. But let's say, uh, I don't know, holidays, maybe we join or partially we, we connect. I have one brother, for example. Uh, my husband has also one brother. So it, it's a tiny, not very very uh, family. <laughs> It's 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 nice to stay in, in touch with with families and to revisit our roots and our home languages and our home yes. cultures, but also ha having that simple once a week family sit down. Yeah, you know this is something that in this day and age in England at least we don't see happening as much as it used to back in you know in in earlier days when for example my father first moved over to the United Kingdom in the 1960s and 70s where every Sunday it was a tradition in this country to have all of the family together for example yeah well it's it's not like that definitely each Sunday I don't see my parents uh, uh, yeah each Sunday let's say once Per month we go, we see each other, or they come. We are not in the same city with my parents, but yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I guess we got used to it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as, as the world is becoming much more interconnected, we have the advantage of using social media to connect with people in, in different parts of the world. But um, you mentioned something around giving back to the community, service learning. Uh -huh. And, and I think this is a very powerful way to build character, to build individuals who, exactly. who have compassion, who are able to take themselves out of their own space and to view the world in other people's shoes. For example, um, students who are more privileged, to what extent do they have exposure to the less privileged? And, and what impact will that have on them when they give back to a different community with different needs? Um, coming back to that character education part, I think giving back to the communities is another way of, of doing that. Um, so can you, what sort of examples can you share of how you've, how you've perhaps done that or thoughts on ideas that you have in your classroom, in your school, of how you can encourage your students to give back? Well, uh, <laughs> actually, students, not all of them, they don't like mathematics. And especially those coming from different schools, I always have this barrier. They don't want to accept, oh my God, uh, they say percentages or fractions. And what they do is they, uh, I always start with how it has connection to real life. So I think in MYP1, where I have especially, they, they start with the MYP system at that point, I say we will talk about how people live in the world and how they, uh, how many children are working at this moment while you're at school and how they have limited sources. And I get them into the story and they get more and more interested while performing percentage questions. <laughs> and um, at the end, as an assignment, I have, you have all the resources, but here are the prizes for houses in Skopje, in this area, that area, Skopje, the capital of Macedonia. And he uh, just do a research about what's the price of the rice or what's the price of the cheese, fish, etc. And now organize your life with this budget. 
and they were shocked. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh my God, we cannot go to KFC. Oh, no, no, no money for pizza. No, 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 that's forbidden. They, they said, they, we will eat as a family just potatoes for a month. <laughs> so we, uh, we trained empathy throughout the whole unit. And then at the end of the school year, another uh, unit that they don't like, fractions. And they said, no, teacher, don't even mention, don't even start about them. And I started, you know, to talk about different cultures, about different foods, different recipes. And one of the students just pulled up, oh, we can make a, a food fair and we can, they directly moved to the action for the community. And it was, wow. And mm-hmm. at the beginning, they just get the awareness. But the next one, they just, we can do it. We can do some food and share it for people in need. So that was such a nice moment. It was, oh and my God. Was such a, a wonderful <laughs> and inspirational example of how relevance and meaning is found in a mathematics classroom. Exactly. You know, exactly. Helping the students to see how what they're learning is relevant and connected to the real world, but most importantly, how exactly. their learning will impact the community is remarkable. Exactly. And, and we do this. We're, yeah. we're actually quite privileged in an IB education to have a formal... So this is not... Ju- sorry to interrupt you. Sorry. This is not just a natural feeling that should pop up. It should be trained. Mm-hmm. And when you train them, they are kids, so they can just go in the right direction. So and, you, and you mentioned empathy. You know, this yeah. is such a... It's an important skill. And it's an important skill for adults. It's an important skill for young people, particularly Definitely. in a very sensitive time where we've got a conflict happening or conflicts in different parts of the world we've got a conflict um, happening with Russia Ukraine we've got conflicts in the Middle East everywhere we look this this conflict Mm -hmm. if we are going to make a difference to tomorrow what's the answer it's a big question but if we are going to make a difference to tomorrow in your experience of teaching character, teaching kids to give back to the community, for example, what, what is a priority and what's the solution from your experience? Um, you know, what I think is that um, if we have knowledgeable, uh, I can say knowledgeable people, knowledgeable hu- human beings who can understand um, uh, different personalities how can they if they value real things and if they are skilled to understand who is lying or not none of the dictators would be where he is Uh, nobody would vote for them they would be at some corner of the society i think that today's media is doing something what can do but we need to be well educated and we need to um we everybody um need to think critically and to not give power to such kind of bad human beings. So for somebody who who is not a teacher, who's listening and watching, what advice do you give to them on how to read the news critically? Well, <laughs> I, again, I, I, I would like to say something from the classroom. You should, uh, people should know relevant sources, how to understand them. Because today on the internet, Everyone can write about everything. You can write about uh, nuclear physics, you can write a biology, but without having no knowledge nor anything about it. Right. So 
Exactly. So if somebody's talking about economics, you should research, is he really educated for that? Is he really capable about it? So it's like two plus two in math. So no, you don't vote for it. And it's, it's so basic, sounds basic, but no, uh, people vote for such kind of uh, people. And uh, I don't know, it, it might be a plain example. I, I don't know if I answered I this think, one I think well. it's, a, it's a very good example is to- but That's what, what should source. be in the core. Who is saying what is being said? Where is it coming from? Are there any biases? Are they attached yeah. to any companies? Are they attached to, I don't know, people who pull, pull strings, who have their own priorities and agenda? It's a very important idea, concept that you bring up. And, you know, for those who have languages as a barrier, you know, we have services of translation we can access exactly. news in our home languages but coming back to something I, I shared is you know we see the same event sometimes being yeah, reported repeating. very differently exactly and for a critical mind you know mm -hmm. is to look at the different types of news stories to take it all in make mm -hmm. your own judgment right yeah exactly. this is the same news story being reported by state media, the same news story being reported by um, other types of media who are non-state funded, taking all of that information, digest it and make up your own mind. You know, we, we, we are so blessed to have been given a mind that is able to think critically, creatively, innovatively, um, and obviously, the first word that was revealed to our final messenger in Islam, Prophet Muhammad, was Ikra. Read. Yeah, read. Exactly. <laughs> and, and exactly. you know, the penny should drop. You know, a lot of people in this world seem to think that money is power. That's counterproductive. Knowledge is power. Exactly. Exactly. I, I do agree. I really do agree with that. That knowledge is real power. Knowledge can change a lot of things. Knowledge can't. Yeah, it's a superpower. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, it can be, but we also understand that, you know, knowledge isn't something that it's down to us as human beings. Sometimes it's, you know, God gives us these skills and God gives us mm -hmm. abilities to to um, to become better and also to share that on with others as well. Right. Yeah. So, um, Isma, I have one sort of wrap-up kind of discussion. Um, and this is a, something that we are familiar with, right? Our common goal through an international baccalaureate education is mm -hmm. to build a better and more peaceful world. That's, that's what we do as IB educators, right? Exactly. This is the, the mission and vision of our organization and what we do for our work. But tell us more about you know if we are going to live in a shared planet if we are going to work live and work and reside in peace and and harmony how do we get others to see commonality and not difference exactly uh, well we should be first of all respect and we should, as, as I said at the beginning, there are good and bad people. So first of all, um, we should embrace everyone as a human being and then uh, have respect for each other. That's 
first thing. So we should focus on our common things, not uh, the things that make us different, which are really less in number, less in everything. Uh, to have that um, embracing um, attitude to everyone, to accept diversity. Every, everybody's uh, different in a way, but we are mostly all equal. We have two eyes, one nose, <laughs> right? So we are actually, we have so uh, common things. And um, when people learn about each other, when the people get to know each other, they, uh, they start naturally, I think people start looking for the common things. That's natural. I see it in the classroom. I see students from different backgrounds. I myself, I, I live in a country where we have Muslims, uh, Christians, um, and sometimes because I'm very outspoken, I can talk with everyone. They say, you, you, you don't look like a Muslim. I said, how should I look? Uh, and then <laughs> I said, uh, well, and then we speak and we, we, we talk about different things and it's, oh, that we, we have actually a lot of in common. Yeah. I mean, it's just about to get know each other and then the, the rest is coming. I'm a I'm okay person, you're okay, so we can uh, we can have some and tea, it just have takes coffee. that one step sometimes. Exactly. It? That one exactly. step to reach out to your neighbor and share yeah. a dish from your home culture. You know, exactly. reach out to somebody on your street who you've mm -hmm. never conversed with and to build that um, connection. And sometimes mm -hmm. you don't have to wait for somebody else. You have to be the change in order to see the change. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I like to do that. I want to be the risk taker <laughs> in <laughs> this kind of situation. No doubt. No so, doubt. Yeah. Well, um, Isma, it has been a real honor, a real <laughs> delight to, to reconnect with you and to, yes. to bring you up on this podcast. As you know, Isma, I like to handpick the guests who come onto the podcast. And the reason why I selected you was because you have that such a kind and warm rapport with your students, but also Thanks. with adults. Thank you. <laughs> and, and we really need to shine more light on the great human beings, professionals, educators, in all organizations and industries so that we can learn from one another and share our wisdom and experiences and, and thoughts with others for a positive difference across Thank social you. media. Thank so you. any closing remarks from you, Isma? Uh, well, all of these things that you said about me really <laughs> made me blush. Uh, thank you. I also uh, learned all of these things, I guess, from people around me. We are, as a personality, we are a jigsaw of some uh, people that left traces in us, my old teachers or some family members or colleagues that I had from around the world. So uh, if I am what I am now today at this moment, that's because uh, all of the people I had around me, all of the experience um, that I faced uh, throughout the life um, at my I will use the term that you have used at my 30s. <laughs> <laughs> well, Isma, um, a huge, huge thank, thank you. you once again. Thank you very I, much. I really, really appreciate the time. And Thanks. a huge shout out to all of the staff at IPS Macedonia, thank but you. also thank especially to, to Don Shea, who I know is a great friend <laughs> and colleague and somebody thank who you. I have 
really fond memories of, of um, when I had um, that week in your school as your consultant and, and workshop leader. And hopefully, God willing, inshallah, down the road, we can connect and, and uh, meet again. But wishing you good health for you, your family and your children. Thank you. Thank you so much. The best also to you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye.